Hello, we meet again. Or maybe this is actually the first time we're meeting and you're like, what the heck is this? Well, my name is Christy. I am the host of Awaken the Extraordinary and I'm kind of a dork and I'm totally okay with it. If you're tired of living in survival mode and you want to thrive, this is the place for you. If we are in fact meeting again, thank you so much for coming back. I appreciate it. And I've rambled on for about 27 seconds. So let's go ahead and get the episode started, okay? Hello, welcome to another episode of Awaken the Extraordinary. My name is Christy. I think I say that in the intro. <laughs> it's been it's been a while. I do say it in the intro. It'll take me a little bit to get into the slowing of things again. So just bear with me. Okay. So you know the title of the podcast. You know who I am. So let's just go. Okay. Okay. So this episode has been a long time coming. I wanted to just get to a place where I could give this topic um, my undivided attention. And I mean, relatively speaking. So many of you who listen to the podcast or follow me on Instagram know that I lived in San Diego for 44 and a half years and moved to Montana um, in a town called Stevensville, south of Missoula at the end of June. And I've kind of like I guess tiptoed around, you know, that I just felt like I was being called to Montana, even though I'd never actually been here. But I wanted to talk about how all of this came about. And I wanted to wait until we actually got here. And then love has been kind of crazy. And this is really my first opportunity to be able to share this story with you. And um, here we go. So 2020 was a shit show, right? Like so many of these, like we can look back at 2020 and be like, oh my God, like this, this just sucked. It was scary. Like so many of us were living lives in fear because we had no idea what was going on. We didn't know what COVID meant you know, you're, you're watching the news and just life was scary. Right. So, uh, bear with me. I'm going to take a sip of my Pizzolatto Rosé. Give me a sec. So I decided like I'm celebrating. This is my first day back recording and there's a liquor store downstairs. So I bought a couple of little bottles yesterday and, uh, I deserve it. Damn it. So anyway, 2020 was just, it was just a lot of things, a lot of different emotions. And my day job is working in human resources. And man, when COVID hit, COVID became like 95% of what I was dealing with on a daily basis. And it consumed me. I couldn't escape. Like I stopped watching the news because COVID just consumed nine hours of my day. And it was also our reality, right? Like we were all experiencing that. We all knew of people getting COVID or we had it ourselves. 
And it was just scary, you know, watching the news. Um, you know, like I used to watch a today show. I, I don't now, I really miss Hoda. I love Hoda. Um, but you know, the opening of the today show was just so dramatic and, you know, everybody was spaced so far apart and like coronavirus or whatever it was, it was like right smack dab in the middle. And again, just like this dramatic music. And the thing that I, I remind myself is these news outlets, their business. Um, I, I don't think I had kind of like the level of visibility or understanding, I guess, about the news networks and how all of that worked. And I know I've referenced this in a previous podcast episode. Um, until I read or listened to To Catch and Kill. And it's a novel by Ronan Farrow. And he talks about really the demise of Harvey Weinstein, you know, this huge producer guy in the movie industry, like Miramax Films. So seriously, a movie we were watching a snippet of this morning, which is terrible. I think it's like Shark Boy and Lava Girl or something like one of Taylor Lautner's first movies. That was a Miramax film. Um, Shakespeare in Love, like a lot of Gwyneth movies, Kill Bill. One of my favorite movies of all time, Sliding Doors, is a Miramax film. So Harvey was Miramax and was accused of raping, uh, doing all sorts of inappropriate things to women. Um, just, just gross, just a gross, gross guy. And that book was all about that. And there was also references to the whole Matt Lauer thing, which, um, man, like that, that was very interesting to me because I watched the Today Show. So it made me realize that just because we don't see something happening or we know of this kind of different universe that these people, like let's say politicians and these multi-millionaire business people and Hollywood, like just because we don't know of that world existing doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean there's like all this shadiness and corruption and just nasty ass shit going on behind the scenes. All it means is like, because we, that is not our reality. We just don't know that it's happening, but it doesn't mean that it isn't. So that was something that I kept in mind when I was watching like the news at the onset of, of COVID, you know, it's like the news is a business and there is an angle. There is a bias, even though we would like to think that there is not, there is, and it's a business. It's, it's trying to make money and you can't fault them for that, right? Like a business typically is a business because they want to generate revenue. So that was something that I, I tried to keep in mind when I was watching things like the Today Show or just honestly, like any news. But then it became too difficult and I started tuning out the news. But we were still living COVID. Like we were still like having to wear masks and stay away from people and, you know, like playgrounds were shut down and it was just hard. It was hard for so many of us. And 
because I was dealing with COVID all the time and there was that uncertainty, like we didn't know what we didn't know. And even now I'm like, okay. Um, but we didn't know what we didn't know. And there was so much unknown. And there was still like, to me at the onset, there was still contradictory information coming out. And it was like, I was just living that. And I don't want to take anything away from like the doctors and nurses and every other medical professional that was dealing with it literally hands on, but dealing with COVID just became my daily existence, talking to people, saying the same things, asking the same questions, talking to people who were scared. And it was just a lot for me. Um, I classify myself as an empath. And so I feel a lot of what people are feeling. And because I also have challenges managing my own anxiety, dealing with other people's uncertainty was very hard for me as well. And um, I remember sitting there and I was just exhausted. Like I was emotionally exhausted. I was physically exhausted. And I remember sitting there in my son's room because that's where I was working out of. And I remember looking up at the corner of his room at nothing in particular and just asking myself, like, this can't be all there is to life, right? The groundhog day, the waking up and doing the same thing over and over. Like, I know like human beings are creatures of habit, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, when you were waking up every day and your existence, like everything that you are doing is really the same every day. And you are rushing around, let's say, you know, before COVID, like I have friends who have kids and they're rushing around to all these different things. And I'm like, and you literally like don't have time to sit down until 11 PM. And then you, to decompress, you stay up binging Netflix shows or whatever she watches until like one or 2 AM. And then you get five or six hours of sleep. And then you wake up and do everything all over again. The next day I'm like, is that, does that feel good for you? Like, does that make you happy? Does that bring you joy? And I know people are different, but I'm just like, I, I look it, it, COVID just had me look at everything completely differently. And for that, I'm thankful. And I really like, was just like, so many people I know, myself included, like we're struggling, we're surviving, but can you be like the best freaking version of yourself? If you were just always struggling and scraping to get by, like I posted a reel on new year's, it was either new year's Eve or new year's day this past year, because like. New Year's Eve night morning, like New Year's Day, I think, or I don't even know. It was either the morning of New Year's Eve or the morning of New Year's Day. Like we were in the ER with my son and he woke up with an ear infection. He was four. He never had an ear infection in his life. And so I was freaking out, but I posted a reel and it's like, you know, someone kind of like grabbing the ground and pulling themselves to like the next year. It was that song by house of pain, jump around. It was the intro. And then when the music's supposed to start, it was like, like someone scraping on a window, like that kind of squeaky sound. And 
that's just like how I feel so many of us live our lives is just literally just putting our little fingers on the ground and pulling ourselves from one thing to another. And so I remember sitting in my son's room, again, looking up at the corner, nothing in particular. And I was just like, this can't fucking be all there is, right? Like, I don't believe that we are put on earth to just struggle and eke by from moment to moment. Like, I just don't believe that. And it just kind of got me thinking about life in a different way. And it got me thinking about the life that I'm creating for myself, the life I'm creating for my son, what I'm modeling for my son. And I was like, is this what I want to show him? Because I look at like kind of these alternate realities of like these people living in insane homes, traveling everywhere. And I'm like, what is different? And I mean, you can look like I I talk about like Paris Hilton. I don't know why I chose her, but I've talked about her before and like to my niece. And I'm like, if you grew up like Paris Hilton, like you have money, you see like all of these luxurious vacations, you're able to take all of these amazing vacations. Like that is your reality. That is your normal. (laughs) Like makes me think of that show, The Simple Life. Oh my gosh. Like, I don't know if you watch that. I don't know if that's available. I don't know if you want to lose brain cells and spend any of your valuable time watching The Simple Life, but I'm sure there are snippets that you can watch on YouTube. Um, and I think she did play up like the, the dumb blonde stereotype a bit. At least I think that's what they said. Um, but it's like, you know, it's, it's having that lifestyle and then living a very, a very opposite lifestyle. And, um, it was really before she and Nicole Richie were like these household names as they were like in the early 2000s. So anyway, it's like there are these people whose realities are are like a complete 180 from mine. And what what is it about them that's different? And so, you know, if I'm using that example, okay, Paris Hilton, like they had money, right? But it's like, even if they had money, like this generational wealth, it had to start somewhere. And you also look at these people who grow up in poverty and they end up multimillionaires or maybe even more. I mean, to me, like Oprah is a mind-blowing example of someone who had a very modest upbringing and seriously look at her. And for me, one of those messages is like, she made the choice to not be a victim of her circumstances. Like she looked at her life and was like, and I don't know if this is true, but, you know, looked at her life and was like, I want more. I want more than this. And I know, I know what I'm capable of. And I mean, she's just, she's amazing. And I'm not like an Oprah super fan, but to me, it's very hard to not be like impressed and motivated and inspired by this 
brand that that she created. And I do find her, you know, very in, inspiring and just, again, someone who looked at their life and was like, I want something different. And I know what I'm capable of. And so I really started thinking about that a lot in terms of like, even where we were living and, you know, the state of our neighborhood from when we bought our home in 2015 into what it was evolving into in like 2020. And, you know, I had wanted to buy a house where I felt comfortable running at night with or without my dog. And that changed over time. Um, There were a lot of transients that moved into our area and um, a lot of them took up a lot of space on sidewalks and it just um, like we had a shopping cart literally left in our driveway um, that had bloody paper towels, um, drug paraphernalia, like remnants of a crack pipe, um, just nasty ass shit left in our driveway. And I don't want that to be the environment that I'm in. And I don't want that to be the environment that my son is in. I mean, I couldn't have backed out my car. Like we had to move the shopping cart and that is not how the neighborhood was. And it's not that I don't have compassion and empathy for people in these types of situations, but I also want to live in an environment where I feel safe, where my son feels safe. Um, I don't want random people coming up to my trash cans that are literally right in front of my house and going through things. I don't want people sitting on my front step and going through things that I leave for delivery drivers for COVID and then cussing me out when I ask them what they're doing. Like that was just not the type of environment that I wanted. And something else that I realized too was like where we lived was incredibly noisy, like so, so noisy. Um, We lived off of this street uh, as 20, it was Highland. So um, I know most of you are not going to even know what I'm talking about. Highland, like back when I was in high school, which was a very long time ago, Highland was this street that people cruised on. So like Friday and Saturday nights, everybody would get there. I don't know. I call them like hoopties, but like they're, they're souped up cars. They're low riders and low riders. And, um, they would cruise Highland. And like, that was what some of my friends did in high school. Um, I don't know if you remember the, t- I don't even know what this, where this came from, but the term scam. So like I had friends in high school and <laughs> their Friday and Saturday nights would consist of them cruising Highland and scamming with guys. <laughs> like, okay, not my thing, but that's what Highland was. Uh, the cruising stopped for a long period of time, but then Highland, I feel like kind of it became like at night, like a fast and furious, like raceway. And our street, because we were one block over, kind of became that as well. 
So it was very noisy, like even during the day, but you would have guys like drive down the street. I, I assume they're guys, they could have been women. Um, but you would have people go down our street at like two or 3 a.m. and swear they were like Vin Diesel or Paul Walker. And it was just noisy. Like I couldn't sleep with the windows open. Um, even like the side window, because a lot of times I wouldn't leave like our window facing the street open, but our side window, um, like I couldn't leave that open because it was just so noisy and I didn't want my son to wake up. And then, you know, you would have like people walking down the street and like arguing and yelling. And then also like, I don't smoke weed. My family does not, I mean, clearly my son, but like, we just do not smoke weed. I have no judgment against people that do, but I don't want my house smelling like it. And I don't want my house smelling like cigarettes either. So it was like every night at 10 PM, someone would be smoking weed and I would be having to run around my house and close up all the windows. Like, even if it was fucking hot outside, I would have to go and close up everything. And I was just like, oh my God. And then our street was like very pedestrian heavy. And my dog, like our dog, Penny, the lab, she flips out when people walk by. And so every time someone would walk by, which was a lot, she would lose her shit and just start going crazy. Like if she could just go up to the person, she would be fine. But she was very like territorial. And it was just, a, it was just a lot of noise. Like, I feel like that scene in, in The Grinch where he's like, oh, the noise, 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 noise. Like, that's how I felt like every single day. And then there was just always like all of this construction going on. It was just so noisy. And I like quiet. I love quiet. I love to be alone. I can't think if it's noisy. And it, it, a lot of people are able to tune that out. I am not one of those people that can tune stuff out. I just can't. So the environment was just not the type of environment like I wanted to live in. I wanted my family to live in. And I was just like, I hate living here. I hate living here. And then I started thinking, what if we didn't live here? What if we didn't? I'm like, why do I live in San Diego? I live in San Diego because that's where my parents happened to live when they had me. And I just haven't moved anywhere else. And I've had this fantasy since I was a kid about packing up and starting from scratch somewhere completely new where no one knew me. I didn't have family. I didn't have friends. And in my mind as a kid, it was always New York. It was always living in a brownstone on a street. I always see fall. Like, so it's always fall in my mind when I'm imagining this, but like a brownstone, I feel like kind of similar to, I don't know, did, um, Meg Ryan's character and you've got male live in like kind of a brownstone type place. I feel like she did, but one where like there are trees on either side of the street and they arch to form a canopy over the street. That's where I, that's always what I've envisioned. Like when I packed up to move somewhere new, but I didn't know, I was just like, what if we just didn't live here? And I grew up with parents who were very much like we are a victim of our circumstances. There is very little that we can do to control our, our situation in life. And that's just kind of what I grew up believing. Like this, these are the cards we were dealt and we have no choice but to play them to the best of our ability. But I sat there and I was like, 
what if I could actually have a different life? What if I could go somewhere and what if I could start creating the life I want versus, I guess, like an intentional life versus one of happenstance, just these are my circumstances. I'm letting the chips fall where they may. What if I'm actually designing it? What if I'm deciding where the chips go as opposed to just like, "Mm, this is where they fell. So I started kind of shifting my mindset on things and imagining like that there were possibilities instead of just like, "Mm, this is what my situation is. I can't do anything about it. What if I could do something about it? What would I do? And I know there's like, there's a lot talked about in terms of like manifestation. And I know the title of this episode is the Montana manifestation. Um, and I know that's like, kind of, I, I think like a controversial thing when like, especially if you are a God person, if, if you believe in God, I feel like maybe manifestation is a bit controversial, but I guess the way I kind of think about that is you have a, like, if, if you are a God person, my thought is you have a purpose. God has given you a purpose and he knows what the plan is for your life. But then there's also free will. So you still have the ability to really do what you want to do. And I I know manifestation is like all about like putting what you want into the universe and waiting for that energetic exchange and, and all of that. And I guess like my thought on that is I do consider myself a God person. So I, I believe in God as creator. I also believe in God placing things on my heart, but giving me free will to pay attention to that and take inspired action or not do anything at all. And so if I decide to take inspired action and make a move towards something that's on my heart, to me going into that like full force, balls to the wall, whatever you want to say, is me just believing that this is my purpose. I am pursuing something that God has placed on my heart and I am going to embrace that in every way possible. And so I feel like, you know, a lot of the conversations about manifestation are writing things down, um, surrounding yourself with things, like acting as though it already has happened. And for me, um, I started to just, I guess, kind of be open because I started thinking, okay, what if my reality could actually be different? Like, what if the life I'm living isn't actually the life I'm supposed to be living? And there actually is a kind of different life, so to speak for me. I just have to be open to that possibility. And I'm like, I'm getting goosebumps right now. Not because it's cold in here. (laughs) Um, But I think it was just my mind just thinking, okay, what if, 
this life I'm living isn't all there is. And a big part too, for me was my parents talked a lot, my mom, especially about what wasn't possible about what couldn't be possible. But I was like, what if I talk to my son about what is possible and how, when someone tells you like anything is possible, doesn't it pack a bit more punch when they give you examples or you see them doing things that you didn't think were possible? Like, doesn't it pack more punch when you actually see it versus someone just telling you something? And I was like, I want to tell my son anything is possible, but isn't, isn't it going to carry more weight if he can look at his mom and he can look at his dad and see them as living examples of what is possible versus what isn't? Isn't it going to pack more punch for him to see his parents not happy with the situation they're in and making a decision to change that and then actually follow through on that? Isn't it going to be more impactful for our son to see us say, I am going to do this. I don't like this. So I'm going to do this and then I'm actually going to do it. I didn't see that growing up. Like I'm seriously racking my brain right now, trying to think of instances where my parents didn't like something and they decided that they didn't like it and they decided they were going to change it and actually changed it. Now, maybe there's stuff that they did that I just don't have visibility to, but I was more, more involved in a lot of things in their life than I should have been. And I honestly cannot recall a single thing. And so there, there's a lot about being a mom that I have decided to change because of my childhood experience. And this was another one of those things. Like I, I didn't like my life, like aspects of it. I didn't like where we were living. And I didn't want that to be where my son grew up. And so I was like, I can do something different. I can, I can change my situation. A different reality is possible for us. I don't know what that is, but I know that what we're doing now, that doesn't have to be like what we continue to do. So I think just kind of being open to the possibility of something different, like I feel like that was key for me in kind of kicking off this wave of change, I guess, for lack of a better term. So I started thinking about that and just what if a different life was possible? What if a different reality was possible? And I did a meditation challenge uh, that Gabby Bernstein was hosting And, um, I hadn't meditated really at all. I think maybe like less than five times in my entire life. And I still do not meditate with much consistency. Now that I have this space, um, I know that that will be different 
And it's just me getting disciplined now in a setting time aside to do that. Um, but I was like, you know what? The world's on fire. Like, I don't know if you know that song by Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> I'm like, dude, that song was like, I don't know. That was perfect from like March, 2020 to now. Um, but I was like, I have nothing to lose. And so I think it was when within the first week, I remember <laughs> sitting out in our backyard, noisy as hell backyard. Like there's so much going on during the day. It's crazy. So much noise. And there was just, I don't even know what the meditation was, but I remember, um, doing the meditation and having this vision and it, and it sounds like, so like, Oh my God, I have this vision. No, what it was is just like something, a picture popped into my mind. Like that's what my vision was. And it was like this white house, um, this beautiful white house, large, but not sprawling amidst all these pine trees, like in a forest, um, on the edge of like a lake. And, uh, it was like, (laughs) what I think is always like, it always reminds me of, and I think I've referenced this before with Rachel. So it's episode friends with Rachel when she has a dream where she's like making out with Joey and she wakes up and she's like, that's new. That was totally what I heard when that vision popped into my mind. Um, I was like, that's new. And I'm like, where did that come from? But there was this sense of peace that came over me when I saw that in my mind and I couldn't let it go. And so I just kept thinking about that. And then I started seeing these things um, on Instagram pop up about Sealy Lake. I had literally never heard of Sealy Lake before, like in my entire life. Um, I didn't speak about the vision that I had. Like I just had it. It was there in my mind, just marinating. Um, but I never spoke about it. So like all the people that are like, oh, the iPhones are listening. I hadn't spoken about anything. Um, then I started seeing about seeing things about Sealy Lake. And I was like, where the hell is that? I, so after probably about the fourth or fifth thing that I saw, I looked it up and uh, it was in Montana. And I think the reason that I paid attention to that was because the images that I saw reminded me of the vision that I had. And again, I didn't say anything out loud. So unless like iPhones can read our minds, which who the hell knows, right? Um, I was like, okay. So then I started paying attention to Montana and I would pick up on things. Like if something referenced Montana, like I would hear it. And it tripped me out. Like it's really tripping me out. And I then like started seeing things for like visit Montana or something on Instagram. Like, I don't remember what it was, but I remember like the background was green 
And there was something about Montana, like on the name. And I just kept seeing that. So then I just was like, what the fuck? I'll just start following it. Cause I'm seeing this for a reason. Like, I just felt like I'm seeing this for a reason. And so I, I think I was following like these vintage, um, these vintage shoppers in San Diego. And I remember like I opened up my Instagram and they had, so it was literally the first thing I saw when, um, I opened up Instagram and they were selling these vintage license plates and there were three and one was California and two were Montana. I was like, and so I just kept getting like what I call are just like all these little breadcrumbs. Like, I think that's what Hansel and Gretel left, right. Or breadcrumbs. I just kept getting all of these little breadcrumbs and I was paying attention and I think, um, don't quote me on any of this. Hopefully you don't quote me on really anything unless it's friends related, but there is this, um, person on Instagram that I started following she has a podcast and she talks about like the, the reticular activation system in our brain. So like when we are thinking about a white car, we're going to notice white cars. So it's like when you were thinking about something, you were going to notice it more. And I guess really whether or not you interpret it as a sign is like up to you. And for me, I wasn't thinking of anything about Montana as a sign, but I, the more I started seeing things, I was like, okay, yes. Could I be noticing Montana more because I'm thinking about it, of course. But I was like, why? Like, there's a reason why I am thinking about Montana when I've never really thought about it before. Like, I feel like as a kid, I I saw something and it brought my attention to like Montana and I think Wyoming because of the mountains and the open space and it just being beautiful. And so I, I know that I have had Montana in the back of my mind for pretty much as long as I can remember. So the fact that like this was kind of being shoved in my face all of a sudden, I was like, I kind of feel like I need to be paying attention. So when I saw those license plates, I was like, okay, I just need to get those. And I just think this is a sign. So I think it was at that point, I walked into the sunroom where my husband worked and I told him, I'm like, I think we're supposed to be in Montana. And he's like, okay. And he had been to Montana, I think twice for work. And he was like, okay. And I said, um, I just feel like I'm getting all of these signs that that's where we're supposed to be. And yeah, <laughs> like that was pretty much the extent of the conversation. And he's like, Oh, he's like, yeah. He's like, I like Montana. He's like, I'd be fine going there. And I mean, we had always talked about getting out of California. And I think, you know, um, because things started to just, in in my personal opinion, deteriorate, uh, we were really thinking about like, how can we get out? Um, there's, there's a lot in California that doesn't align with like our beliefs, our value system. 
And, you know, I also want to say, like, I have plenty of friends who are perfectly happy in California, and that is fine for them. Um, there's like no judgment, no nothing. It's just like that just didn't feel like it was home. It didn't feel like it was the right place for us to continue building our home and our family. And we knew that we wanted out. We just didn't know where we didn't know how. So when I told him that he was like, okay, I like Montana. He's like, I'd be fine. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, he's like, I'd be fine going to Montana. And I think part of what surprised me too, is because his parents had moved down to San Diego from LA. Um, so that kind of surprised me, but I was like, oh, okay. And I'm like, okay. So you'd be fine moving to Montana. He's like, yeah, I'm like, uh, okay. And I walked away and then it was like a flood. It, it felt like every day there was something about Montana, like whether it was being mentioned on television, whether it was like in a Hallmark movie I was watching because Montana, Montana seems to be a very, um, like there's, there's a new Christmas movie that, uh, came out with Andrew Walker. If you follow Hallmark, you know who he is. And, um, I watched an inter. I haven't watched the movie yet, but I watched an interview with someone that I know and he was telling her, yeah, he's like, you know, it takes place in Montana. And then like my favorite Hallmark actor, Ryan Pavey, like he's in a movie called like Summer Romance that takes place in Montana. I just watched one the other day. It's called Christmas in Montana with um, Kelly Martin. If you know her from Life Goes On, it's actually a really good movie. I liked it. So I'm just like, there are these movies about Montana. So it was just like ran seriously random stuff like that. And so I just started paying attention to it. And um, then there was another vintage, um, you know, shopper that I follow. And she had this pressed flower design and it was in the shape of Montana. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to buy that. And then there was someone that I met in kind of my emotional business class that I've talked about before. And she lived in Montana and she um, made these really cute, like fabric, um, pictures, I guess. And I told her, I said, can you just make one for me with like the mountains and then just say, and so it is. And so she made that for me and it took a while to get, but I, I would surround myself with all of this stuff about Montana and about dreams. And like, I have the sticker that says like faith can move mountains and like Montana, like mountain in Spanish is Montana. And I was just like, okay, so like I have that. And um, I just started surrounding myself with Montana and it wasn't like manifesting. Although like, I guess if, if that's kind of your philosophy, then maybe it was. But for me, it was just like reminders that this is where I feel like we are supposed to be. And if I'm seeing all of this stuff, I'm not going to let it go. And um, I mean, we just kept saying like, we were going to move to Montana. Like we just kept saying, this is what we're going to do. We didn't know how we didn't have any of that figured out. We were just like, this is what we're going to do. And so in... Let's see, trying to think. Okay. So that was kind of like our, our state for a really long time was just, this is what we're going to do. 
We didn't really have a plan. Um, but my husband like just started looking at houses in Montana. Um, and then he connected with a realtor and we didn't know where we wanted to be. Like I said, he'd only been to Montana a couple of times. We didn't know where we wanted to be. So he was kind of tasked with like figuring that out. My one requirement was that wherever we lived, the main street had to look like a Hallmark town. (laughs) Um, so he reached out to our realtor and, or a realtor and was just asking a question about our house. And then she actually ended up becoming our realtor or really, uh, my in-laws. So one of the other things too, was that, um, my in-laws moved down to San Diego from LA to be closer to my son, to our son. And when they moved, I told my husband, I said, okay, you need to let them know that just because they're planning to move down here. So it was before, I think this doesn't mean like, this is where we're going to stay. Like I am not going to be stuck here just because they decided to move. Like this is still our life too. And if we don't like something or we want to move, like I, I don't want that on my shoulders, you know? So like he had told them that. So then when we started getting really serious about Montana, he had told them and initially they didn't want to come, but ultimately they decided, yes, we are going to go to Montana because they want to be close to their grandson. They liked really kind of being almost a daily participant in his life. So then they got on board and they started looking for houses. And so then that's when, like I always do, I kind of start to panic because then the reality of what's happening sets in and there's just all this doubt and fear um, about like what I'm doing. And if I, if I'm really doing the right thing, like when I purchased my home, um, the realtor, like when he told us that our offer was accepted, he's like, usually people are a bit more excited. I'm like, yeah, um, I, I I will be eventually. I'm like, it's just, uh, I just kind of go into shock, but that's just how I am. I start panicking. And so then when his parents started looking for a house, I was like, holy shit, like this is really happening. And it's all happening because I was like, I have suspicion. I started getting what I feel are these signs. And I feel like we're supposed to move to Montana. And I was like, holy shit. But one of the things that I believe is that when something is meant to be, um, it comes easily. So not to say that there's like not work, that there's not stress, but it's like, it just happens and it happens in the time that it's supposed to happen. And it happens the way that it's supposed to happen. And you don't have to force it. Like, again, it's not to say that there's not work and there's not stress, but you don't have to force it. It, it just happens because it's supposed to happen. So, um, last year also, like during all of this, um, I went out on stress leave for four months and, um, still believed that like we were supposed to be moving to Montana. Um, and then I did like a hypnotherapy session with Vivian Wu. I've had her on the podcast and in the recording, 
um, that I listen to. I, I need to go back to listening to that because it really helps. But the recording that I listen to like every day for a month after my session talked about living in a house in Montana, talking to my friends about how all of that came to be. And I think that too was just another reinforcer that was conditioning me to believe in a reality different than what I was living at that time. So uh, come early this year, um, it was really like, it was the day that I think it was, it was New Year's Day um, where my son, we took him to the ER in the early morning. And then I remember we were over at my in-laws and they did a walkthrough of a house. And I think they had um, put out an offer and for a while, like they were putting offers in on houses, but they were getting snatched up. So let me back up a little bit. Um, initially, it was going to be that they purchased a house and then we would move into that house. They would stay in their house at San Diego um, because they, I think, had a very little to low mortgage payment. So they would buy a house in Montana. We would move into that house. We would look for something or build something. And then once we found something and moved in or built our house, then they would sell their house in San Diego and move out with us. Um, my mother-in-law has had three back surgeries. My father-in-law is an amputee who uses a wheelchair. They rely on my husband for a lot of help. So I told him, I said, I don't like the idea of them staying in San Diego for six months to a year. And also just like everything that was going on, I'm like, I don't feel comfortable. So then the decision was made that I, I said, I think we should probably all move together. And although sometimes, um, to be perfectly frank, I regret that. Um, I, I think that is what's best for them. Um, living with in-laws is hard for me living with just other adults aside from my husband, like that's hard. Um, but that was kind of my suggestion. So, you know, like I said, January 1st, like they're putting offers in on homes and everything was just getting snatched up. There were a there there were a lot of people moving from California to Montana. A lot of people moving from other states to Montana. And then my understanding is as well as the production of is that the production of Yellowstone has also increased visibility to the area. So Yellowstone is filmed um, at a ranch. It's like forty minutes uh, away from where we live. So like we've driven by a few times, but that also increased visibility to the area. I've still not seen a, an entire episode of that show. Um, but eventually um, they found a house. One other thing that I want to mention that I realized I forgot is last November, this time last year, my husband flew out here um, and was scouting out locations because we didn't know where we wanted to be. He had um, pretty much like designated the area, the area kind of known as the banana belt um, as where he wanted to be because yes, we get snow, but it's not if as though like if we were on the Eastern side of Montana, where you get, my understanding is a lot more snow 
it, it sticks around for a lot longer. Um, it's more just impactful to your, your life. Um, so he had kind of earmarked this area. And then when he came out last November, um, the town that we're living in is actually one of the towns that he had shown me that he had filmed and, and shown me. And so, um, you know, he worked with his parents. They eventually found a house that was wheelchair accessible, that it was, that was currently being built and it would be available like in May. Um, so that's kind of how we ended up here. Um, one other thing that I want to mention is so like I had been working remote, uh, for my day job since March of 2020, um, pretty much like everybody else. Although I had gotten very sick, I think with COVID that's why I was actually working from home. And then like two weeks later, the world shut down and everybody started working from home. Um, so I was working from home for, you know, a year and a half and we were like, okay, like we know that between January and June of 2022, like we are going to move. We hadn't like at that point, this was like last October before my husband even came out. Like at that point we had nothing. But we were just like, okay, between January and June of 2022, like that's when we're going to move. So the people I support in the scope of my day job, um, they they are not people in the office. Everybody that I support like is not in San Diego. If they are, like they're still not in the office. So I was like, even when I started the job, I was like, why do I even have to come into the office? Like if the people I work with, like aside from like my management coworkers, like if they're not in the office, like what's, why do I even have to be there? So then, you know, COVID hit and last October when we we're like, okay, this is like the time frame that we're looking at. I'm like, okay, well, I wanted to wait until like my husband came out. That was kind of like my, okay, this, this is actually really happening. So when he flew out and he came back and he's like, okay, these are the areas we're going to really start looking for a house. Um, after Thanksgiving, I was like, okay, I need to talk to my management. And I was a little apprehensive because, you know, I would like to keep my job. It is our primary source of income, um, you know, and I make okay money. And so I was like, mm, okay logically, why would they say no? Like, I know my job. I do it well. I've been doing my job perfectly fine for almost two years. Like other people have been approved to move. Like, why would I be different? But there was still like that level of uncertainty. And then there was also like, how do I want to approach this with them? So I thought about kind of like Christy version 1.0. And that version of Christy would have asked for permission. It feels so weird talking about myself in like third person. But then I started thinking of like Christy 2.0. Christy 2.0 is the person who went out on stress leave, who like has done a ton of, a ton of therapy, like a ton of reflecting, um, you know, who went through hypnotherapy, like that's Christy 2.0. I'm like, how would, and, and the Christy that was like, Hey, I'm getting all these signs that we're supposed to live in Montana. Um, I think we're supposed to go to Montana, you know, like 
how would this Christie approach it? So I made a, 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 an appointment with my manager and I said, okay, I'm like, so I also have some news. And I said, first of all, I said, I want to let you know, like, I'm not pregnant. Like I'm not taking leave and I'm not quitting. And she's like, oh, okay. I said, but we are moving to Montana. Um, and it'll be between like January and June. Um, I said right now, like we don't have a house, uh, but we're looking. Um, but you know, I said like, we've been wanting to get out of San Diego. My husband, you know, there's better opportunities there for him from a career perspective because of like what he has access to and, you know, like what he does, like he's able to use like equipment and all of this stuff there that he wouldn't be able to use here. And he wants to set up his own business. And there's just, there's more for him from a career perspective there, which is true. Um, I said, and I just want something different, you know, and, um, I just want a different life. And so we're, we're going to be moving. And I said, in my, again, I said, I'm not quitting. I said, I know other people have been approved to move. And it's my hope that you find me valuable enough and, you know, I guess worthy enough of just continuing my employment with you just in a different state. I said, there's nothing that would be different. I said, I would be starting an hour ahead, um, you know, an hour earlier. And so if like something needed to happen like early in the morning before you guys log on, cause they log on, we, we start our day job at 7am and, um, there have, there actually have been a couple of things where, because I'm online earlier, I'm able to help. Um, I said, but there's no difference. Like there's no difference because there, there were also instances where people were coming back into the office and, um, you know, because I chose to not receive the COVID vaccine, like I would have to sit around in the office and a mask all day. And so I was like, no, I'm just going to stay home. So like, I still chose to stay home, even when people were coming back to the office. So I just said, yeah, it's, it's my hope that, um, yeah, you just allow me to continue my employment with you. Cause like I said, I'm like, I'm not quitting. <laughs> so my manager was like, she's super awesome. She was incredibly supportive, very happy for us. And, uh, then a few days later, I talked to my second level manager and, you know, she's like, well, obviously, you know, there's other conversations that need to be had, but yes, we absolutely value you. We would like to try to find a way to make this work. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited for you. And then like within two weeks, I had my answer and it was like, yes, like we're approving your move. And, you know, and I was just like, good, you know, and it was like, I was absolutely appreciative, but I'm like, I wasn't surprised because I was just like, there's no, there's no legitimate reason why this should not be approved, you know? Um, but it's funny because when I tell people like how I approached it with my management, people seem really surprised. And I think it's because I didn't ask for permission. Um, and I think, you know, also the context of the situation is, is different. I think like if, if it had been two years ago, this likely would not have been approved. Um, because there was someone 
you know, who had a situation where she had to move. And even though like our role is the same, um, it was not approved. But I think like 2020, everything that we had to do, like it shifted a lot of things. And I think for a lot of employers, they realized like, I don't actually need a body in the office, you know? Um, so that was one of the things like during COVID and, and even now when things happen that I just keep telling myself is this is happening for my greater good. Even if I can't see it right now, even if it's years later, like I just tell myself like, this is happening for my greater good. Like when I was working with a therapist, um, when I was on stress leave and she was actually like, after a few sessions, a complete bitch to me when I needed something and basically our relationship ended and it was really kind of like a bad breakup. Um, I just kept telling myself, even though I was super upset, I was like, this is happening for my greater good. This is happening for my greater good. And then I was able to sync up with a therapist who was amazing. And so, you know, with COVID, I was just like, okay, this is happening for my greater good. Like, I don't know how, but this is happening for my greater good. And this isn't, I, w- I want to say this isn't to minimize any anything that you may have experienced during COVID or if, if you got incredibly sick and are still experiencing long-term effects or if you've lost someone, like I am not saying in any way, like that happened for your greater good. I just want to be clear on that. But I'm just saying personally, when I'm experiencing what I feel is just like a shit storm of shit, the thing that when I'm able to, I think, like get to a clearer place is like, this is happening for my greater good. Like that's just kind of this mantra that I say to myself that helps me realize that there is somehow a light at the end of the tunnel and there is a purpose behind why this is happening. But I think like if I were in certain situations, I probably wouldn't be able to say that, nor would I feel this way, that way. So I just want to say, if like you are listening and you feel that something happened and it wasn't for your greater good, that's how you feel. And I'm not trying to minimize what you were feeling in any way. I'm just sharing my experience and what helps me like in these tough times. So I realized that like all of these things that were happening were happening and I was taking action and it was leading us to be able to move to Montana, have a home, have jobs. Like my husband's job is based in Canada. So he's always been remote, but I was like, everything is happening and we're taking action and and everything is easy. And again, it's not to say like things haven't been without stress, but I'm like, they're just happening. And all of this was a move just based on faith, based on a feeling that I had. And when it came time to actually like start packing up and moving, which we procrastinated on just like my son's Halloween costume and pretty much like most of what I do in life. Um, that's when I started to panic again. (laughs) Um, because I was like, Holy shit. Like this is really happening. Like my flight is booked. My son's flight is booked. 
they bought their house. Like, I think when they purchased their house, like that freaked me out too. Cause I was like, oh my God, like, I really hope that this is where we're supposed to be. Um, not that I take ownership for their decision because that's their decision, but I was just like, wow, okay. Um, and when we got here, it was difficult too. Um, so like I was panicking before we left San Diego and then uh, kind of panicked once we got here. The first couple of weeks were very, very hard. Um, my husband came beforehand. So I was left with my son um, the last few days in San Diego at, because my husband moved everything. And like, we didn't hire movers. That would have been like about 20 grand for both houses. And uh, my husband was just here a few days earlier. So I was in San Diego for the last few days and got as much as I could done. But the last week we were there, my son's daycare provider tested positive for COVID and um, the daycare was closed. So, so it just made things challenging because I was planning to pack. And then because he was home, I couldn't really do a lot of packing. So, and we procrastinated. So there was like a lot of stress there, but eventually we got on the plane, we came out here and we were with my husband, you know, just him for a few days. And it was really nice. And then my in-laws drove out. And by the time they got here, my husband had flown back to San Diego and that was very hard. So I had my son starting a new school here. Um, you will hear more about that in a, in a future episode. Um, but there, there was a lot, it was, you know, acclimating to a new place, a new routine, um, our, our property or my in-laws property was not completely fenced in. So anytime the dogs needed to go out, someone needed to be out with them. It's two and a half acres. You know, I have my son who's like four and a half. I, I can't really leave him in the house a lot by himself. Um, it was just a lot. Uh, it was a lot. My in-law's dog pees a lot, cleaning that up a lot. Um, and then just getting used to living with people that are not my husband and my son and honestly feeling very, very alone. Um, the first couple of months were very hard. And I think I was here, my husband was like not back for about two weeks. And I think at the end of like my first week, I literally lost my shit on the phone with my husband. Um, my dog had gotten out a couple of times within the same day that morning. Um, my son did not want to go to school. They literally had to peel him off of me. I was crying. I, I, I went and walked around this old cemetery and calmed down and, um, then went and sat down and then got a call from my father-in-law that my dog got out and they didn't know where he was. And I like, that was my breaking point for me. Like I, I didn't even get my food. Um, I had to rush back to the house and try to find him. And then that was my breaking point. Like I called my husband and I literally screamed on the phone because, um, there was just a lot and a lot that I was having to deal with 
and I was just feeling kind of like this isn't fucking fair like this was my idea this vision came to me and I feel like I'm suffering you know and so there has been a lot that's been very hard about this but I still absolutely believe with everything in my being that this is where I am meant to be this is where my son is meant to be and where my family is meant to be. Um, the way I feel in this town is like it's home. Uh, the sense of community here, the small town feel, you know, like how cheers. It was like, everybody knew your name. I mean, that show came out, like if you're my age, that show came out when you were a kid, you didn't probably understand a lot of it, but we knew it. Like, and you know, the theme song, right? Well, everybody knows your name. Like that's how it is here. Um, I mean, last night, if you listen to the podcast episode where I talk about the woman I met in the coffee shop after my son had like, did I share that in an episode? I think I did in a while, but I met this amazing woman the day after my son had probably the worst day at his old school. That woman has kept in touch with me and she invited us to a civic club meeting last night. And so we went and it's really cool because it's such a great way to get involved in the community. And in like talking to these people, it's like, I, I, I already know some of them because we frequent the coffee shops and I'm renting a space. Like I, I already know so many people in the community and it's pretty awesome. Like even this morning, you know, today I'm recording this on veterans day. And, uh, I drove down to get coffee and like, as I was getting coffee, the president of the civic club, like I saw him coming out of the hardware store. Like it's seriously such a small town. Like so many people know so many other people. And there's that sense of community that I really wanted. And I, and I wasn't sure actually existed. Like I see it in Hallmark movies and I didn't know that it actually existed, but it does. And I'm so happy that we ended up where we ended up. And I, I really feel very optimistic and, and hopeful about my life and, and my family's life and my son's life. And I feel so thankful that I had the courage to listen to what was being whispered to me in all of these subtle ways and to pay attention and that I had the courage to take action even when I was scared that I had the courage to approach my husband I'm so thankful that he was all in and I, I feel like that's what happens when you were doing the things that you were supposed to be doing when you were taking action towards the things that are supposed to be happening in your life. They just happen. And I feel like we get so caught up in paying attention to what other people are doing, what other people are telling us that we should be doing, that we stop listening to ourselves, that we stop listening to our heart and what our heart is telling us to do. And so we're living lives that don't feel authentic to who we are because the lives that we're living aren't the lives that we're supposed to be living. 
you know, like I love social media, but social media is like so many people are comparing their lives to what they're seeing on social media. And I know like everyone's saying like social media isn't real. And I'm like, if you decide that it is, then it, then it is. But I want to live a life that feels good. And I want you to live a life that feels good. And if you're living something, if you're living a life that just doesn't feel good, even if there's like 85% of it feels awesome, but there's 15% of it that just doesn't, then pay attention to the parts that don't feel good. Like pay attention to that. And then start thinking about what would make me feel good. Or if you have kids, like, what am I showing them? Am I showing them that I hate going to my job every day? Am I talking about how I hate my job every day? Am I saying like, yeah, it's normal to be broke. It's normal to struggle. Is that what I'm telling myself? Is I is that what I'm showing my kids? And then is that really what I want to believe? Is that what I want to be telling myself? And is that what I want to be showing my kids? Because all of that, none of that felt good to me. And I think opening our minds up to possibilities of another life, of another reality, not to say that there's even anything bad with the life that you're living, but if there's something that doesn't feel good, it doesn't feel good for a reason. And so I encourage you to pay attention to that. And then start taking baby steps, like start thinking about what would feel good and then start taking baby step by baby step and actually believing that all that stuff that would feel good is actually what you should be experiencing in your life. And then start taking action to making that a reality. Because I absolutely believe that like the hopes and the dreams and the desires, like all of those things that we have, we have them for a reason. And our vision gets clouded by like social media and the media and our world. Those waters get muddy. But like, what if you just decided to like start picking up a bucket and clearing out like all that muddy water and like, actually start seeing clearly, like giving yourself space and permission to start looking at the world differently. You're a lens that's maybe a little bit less foggy. Believe that like what you want for you and your family, like believe that it, it is possible. And if it is possible, what's the first step that you need to take to make it so? If you had asked me three years ago, do you think you would have a podcast? Like, do you think you would be living in Montana? Like, do you think you would be renting an office space so that you could be working remotely and in sanity and in silence and also like launch a business idea that you don't even have to get? If you had told me any of that, I would have told you that's not possible. Like, I don't know what you're, well, I don't know what you're smoking. It feels empowering to believe in yourself enough, to believe in your dreams enough to start taking action. What if you don't like something in your life and you chose to not accept it? 
What if instead you made a decision to, to change something about your life that you don't like? What if you decided to stop being a victim of your circumstances and decided to start creating the life that you want because you know you don't deserve anything less? You know your family doesn't deserve anything less. What if you decided that by telling your children anything is possible, you were going to start showing them that anything is possible because you're doing what's been placed on your heart to do. My friends, stop accepting a life less than what you want and what you deserve. You were capable of so many amazing things. You are capable of so much. Please believe in yourself enough to start taking action on that. I think what's been powerful for me too is realizing that I deserve to have an amazing life. I deserve to live a life that feels good. I deserve to live a life where I am thriving. And my son deserves that too. And the best way to show him that he's deserving of all of that is by me literally showing him by my actions, by my belief in myself, that I'm deserving of amazing things, that I'm deserving of amazing life without any apologies, without any hesitation, without any discomfort. We exist. And we exist for a reason. And I don't think any of us were put on earth to live a shitty life, to suffer, to struggle. I don't believe that for a second. But I think much of the world in which we live in has accepted that as normal. What if you didn't accept that as normal? How would your life be different? Maybe you're living a life that is amazing and feels right for you. And that's amazing. I'm happy for you. But if there's something that doesn't feel good, you can change it. You can. It may not happen overnight. It's probably going to be scary. It's probably going to be uncomfortable. You're probably going to wish multiple times that it would just be easy but you deserve the best and sometimes getting to the best is going to feel a little bit uncomfortable because it's change. Change feels uncomfortable. It doesn't mean that it's bad. So that's how all of this Montana stuff came to be by really looking at the life I was living, the life I was creating for my son, what I was showing my son, and deciding that we all deserve something better. And step by step, we got here. It wasn't overnight. It was like two years in the making. But once that ball started rolling, like really rolling, it really started rolling. I believe in you. I hope you believe in you too. And I hope you believe in you enough to know that you're worthy of everything that's amazing and extraordinary because you're extraordinary.
Thank you for listening. I appreciate it so much and I appreciate you so much. And if there is something that you need support and encouragement on, I am here. You can send me a DM at Awaken the Extraordinary on Instagram, or you can send me an email, Christy, K-R-I-S-T-I at awakentheextraordinary.com. I am also doing one-on-one coaching. I haven't like officially launched it, um, but that's available. So if you are interested in working with me on a a one-on-one basis, I'm here. Just let me know. And thanks for listening again. I know there's so much that you could be doing and maybe you're multitasking. Maybe you're listening to this and you're scrubbing the toilet or you're taking a shower or you're shoveling snow um, or, you know, you're painting or I don't know, baking Christmas cookies. So my friend, stay kind, stay compassionate and stay curious with yourself and others. And I'll talk with you soon. Thank you.